In today's episode, we feature an important apology by one of our hosts. We also celebrate possibly the greatest singer-songwriter of our generation. And we find out exactly what I was doing in my parents' van in the summer of 1990. Get ready to listen to Vision of Love by Mariah Carey on Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. So it is very difficult to release as many episodes as we have and not say regrettable things that we might have to apologize for or retract. Bill, do you have something you need to apologize for? I do. Mariah, I would like to apologize to you for what I said about you in our episode on Against All Odds and on I Want to Know What Love Is. Now, I said on the Against All Odds episode that you didn't have the right to sing that beautiful Phil Collins song because you didn't have a breakupable face. Now, I still hold to that opinion that your face is not breakupable because you're so beautiful. She's an incredibly attractive woman. But you did succeed against all odds. You have the right to cover that song. I apologize. That's my first apology. Apology number two is I said that when Lou Graham sang I Want to Know What Love Is, he could sing it with total feeling because I guess it was the same argument. He had a breakupable face. Yeah. And that Mariah couldn't ask that question because it was never a question for her whether she would know what love is. And boy, was I wrong. And so wrong that I kind of want to go re-edit that episode and take out everything I said about Mariah. (laughs) I feel really bad. After listening to her autobiography, I found out that she indeed had major struggles to get to this place. And the song we're featuring today is about wanting to know what love is, but not just wanting to know what love is, but envisioning it and then making that happen. Now, do you think that... uh your strong feelings about Mariah Carey originally doing uh, against all odds is because you feel like a, a gatekeeper of Phil Collins's material. Yes, I do. And um, I not only felt the guilt from inside my spirit, but also from within inside my family unit, because Ashley heard the episode against all odds, which in itself is against all odds. Yeah, I'm excited that she actually listened to an episode. And then she said, why you keep saying that about Mariah Carey? That's not kind. I said, I'm not saying something mean about her. I'm saying she has an unbreakable face. She doesn't have a right to sing the song because she's so pretty. And Ashley said, well, you broke up with me in 2004. Do I have a breakupable face? How did this get to this <laughs> <Yeah>. place? <laughs> I'm sorry. I should never have broken up with Ashley in 2004. It led to seven years of strife. I wanted to know what love is. Well, you had a vision of love and it eventually came back to you. That's right. So, Mariah, I feel like you and I are travelers on the same journey. Thank you for accepting my apology. Now we can be friends. And we hope this episode does you and your lambs justice. Yeah. 
So obviously we decided that today's episode is going to be on Vision of Love from Mariah Carey's very first album. Four songs from that debut album all go to number one. Just bonkers. And this song is what introduced Mariah to the world. And introduce it did. Holy cow. This song is so, so good. Mariah Carey. A little bit of background. Now, I know there are super fans of Mariah. They know her background uh, in ways I'll never get because I didn't really listen to the full Audible book because it was 11 hours or 18 hours long. I just didn't have, literally didn't have the time. Mm -hmm. So, a little bit of backstory, though. She was born in, I think, at least raised in Long Island. Yeah. And her mother was an opera singer and a vocal coach. So obviously, there's a pedigree there and someone who's teaching her how to sing. Her dad was a former member of the military, and Mariah describes him as a kind of a hipster. Oh, okay. Of course, the the thing I think a lot of people know is that her father was black, her mother was white. Yeah. And so Mariah has always had to live between these two worlds Mm -hmm. and kind of felt sort of didn't have a sense of belonging, right? No. So she was kind of out of place in both worlds. Yeah. And so it didn't sound like the Long Island place was especially accepting. Yeah. Yeah. Not not terribly inclusive. Yeah. The, I mean, the articles that I read talk about her being bullied and, and picked on for well, being biracial, but also for being poor. Yeah. So her parents divorced when I think she was three. Mm-hmm. The house was pretty violent. Her brother had some anger issues, according to Mariah. Her brother sued Mariah for slander and defamation Mm -hmm. over the autobiography, which got thrown out of court. Yeah. And it sounded like she had pretty complicated relationships with her sister as well. There's lots of trouble there. Yeah, we're not going to get into that too much. I think we're going to keep our vision on the love. Yeah, you got that. And so, and then even with her mom and her dad, there's, there's lots of issues there. And so, for Mariah... She's had to battle her way through life to get to where she needed to be. Mm-hmm. So there was, um, yeah, poverty certainly part of it. They didn't have, they didn't have a lot of money. She didn't have a lot of connections. Her mom was an opera singer, but it wasn't like she had an in. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there wasn't, a, there wasn't someone with their foot in the door for her. Yeah. So this is the other thing that I think Mariah is misunderstood for, that people will think she had the same sort of career ascent as Whitney Houston, who had a famous aunt and whose mother also had all these connections. This Mm -hmm. is not the case at all for Mariah. Yeah. But but it's funny, though, that um, when Mariah was signed, they put her through basically the same sort of promotion as as Whitney Houston, because Whitney was on a different label. So it's just like competing and this was uh, this was their ace up their sleeve was Mariah Carey. And her first album comes out when Mariah Carey, Mariah Carey comes out. She's 20 years old. Yeah, it's crazy. She moves to New York City at 17, is that mm-hmm. right? So she, yeah. I don't know if she drops out of school or finishes school. What I read is that she she went to school, but she was absent so often because she was, she was hustling so much with um, 
trying to make the music career work that her nickname at the school was Mirage. Is this in New York City, I guess? Yeah, she... I, th- I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so she worked as like a co-check girl at a uh, at a club, I think? Yeah, yeah, and she worked waitressing and whatever whatever gig she could to, uh, to make ends meet. Yeah, and then she ended up meeting Ben Margulies? 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 I like Margulies. Margulies. <laughs> to go with a more of an 80s feel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those monsters that came out of the toilet? Was that Ghoulies? That was Ghoulies, yeah. It's like the poor man's gremlins? I think so, yeah. yeah okay. So, Ben Margulies, the poor man's gremlin. <laughs> Sorry, We're Ben. We're going to get sued by Ben. <laughs> I know, I know. Ben Margulies. <laughs> so, she uh, becomes songwriter partners with Ben Margulies. Margulies. We're yeah. going to just stop saying his last name. Yeah. But with Ben. And um, there's, I mean, there's a whole sort of history how she gets there, but they work together for three years. Yeah. So, they're working like crazy and writing together. And so, they write seven songs that end up on this album. Yeah. And she has this demo tape that she just brings around with her everywhere she goes. Yeah. This mythical demo tape because we have yet to hear it. Okay. We don't know what those demos sound like. And so, she ends up at a party Brenda K. Starr brings her. Yeah, because she was singing backup for Brenda K. Starr. Yeah. And and you'll you remember the song I Still Believe. Someday you and me. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> I listened to that before uh, we, we started recording just so I could it's like, oh yeah, I like this song. So she ends up going there to meet some big wigs and it it ends up in the hands of Tommy Tommy Matola. Matola. Wasn't exactly the person she envisioned it going to, but he yeah. took it. In 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 my mind it it's and this is the way it plays out in my head is is she's she's handing the tape over to someone and, and there's Tommy Matola just walking by. He's like, yoink! And he just walks out the door with it. And like, hey, like, what's going on? Uh, but yeah, so he gets in his limo and he he plays the tape and he hears Vision of Love and he, he tells his limo driver, turn it around. We're going back to the party. So he goes back to the party to try and find Mariah Carey. But she's gone at this point, and he has no idea who she is. Uh, eventually, tracks her down like a couple weeks later, and signs her on the spot to a to a contract. And she then becomes, as you said, the number one priority for the record company. Yeah. So everything is about Mariah. So by the time she's coming out to the public, mm-hmm. it's a done deal. Yeah. So Vision of Love going to number one is going to probably happen because there's so much push on it anyways that it yeah. would at least reach the top 20 but yeah. they bet right because she is exactly what they uh, were counting on she was unbelievable this was sort of like like a meteor coming from the sky and just crashing to the earth and just changing the landscape. Yeah. So our favorite writer about number one songs, Tom Bryhan, yeah, said that this came out at just the right time with Millie Vanilli's sort of uh, issues were just yeah. coming to light. Yeah, it was yeah, 1990 yeah. and she's about to step onto stage and she's somebody who doesn't ever lip sync. And she just, mm-hmm. okay, that's not true because <laughs> she did lip sync, but that was fairly recently. Yeah. New Year's Eve? Yeah. Okay. You don't want to talk about that? You don't want Mariah to get upset with us? Okay. You know that she's listening. Yeah. Right now. Okay. I've already... I don't want to do another apology. (laughs) (laughs) And this is somebody whose voice needs no, you know, backing track or anything. And my goodness. Well, and and that that was kind of done on purpose. Like, she... 
she sang this song on a number of shows, like on Arsenio, Good Morning America, Saturday Night Live, because when the song came out, there was so much criticism saying like, no, no, no one can sing like this. Like this is studio manufactured. This is coming like right off the heels of Millie Vanilli. Just like, this isn't real. And then she comes out and does the song live and just like, no, no, she's real. Those live performances keep getting better. Yeah. So there's the Arsenio Hall, the very first one. She doesn't yeah. go whistle no. on it. She just keeps it normal. But it was still incredible. Like yeah. normal for Mariah, which yeah. is insane. But on that episode, watching at home with Kelly Clarkson and Beyonce, they both talk about that being a big moment in their lives. Yeah. Also, the Saturday Night Live rendition is insanely good. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I remember seeing it live when I was, uh, well, because I watch Saturday Night Live every every week. And uh, yeah, I, I just remember it was like, holy cow. I, I, I don't want to use the term flippantly, but this is bonkers. I would never want you to flippantly use that term. <laughs> so side note, this is the first CD that I ever bought with my own money. This is the first CD that I owned was Mariah Carey's Mariah Carey. Good choice. Yeah. It was uh it, it was funny because we had like one like large stereo system in, in the living room of, of our house. And uh my sister's first CD, because it was in around the same time, was Metallica's like black album. Oh wow. Yeah. So because that was super popular and she was in high school and uh and it was like the album that you know, all the kids owned. And it just, I was sitting there just like, well, I listen to Mariah Carey. Like, I'm cool too, right guys? Like, I, I think my parents were just like, oh no, what's he doing? <laughs> well, look who's laughing now. I know. Well, your sister's probably still laughing at you actually. Well, probably, yeah, yeah I think so. Rachel, I'm still cool, right? All right. I mean, there's so much to say about the song history. This is one of the greatest debut yes. singles of all time if not maybe the greatest debut single yeah it introduced us to mariah and the song itself is done in such a way that it's like ushering in a new era yeah well and considering to the song came out 33 years ago oh my yeah again bonkers <laughs> now that's flippant <laughs> sorry i'm sorry now, of course, with Mariah comes all those singers we have to watch on American Idol or, you know, whatever show they're all yeah. trying to do, which she does. Well, and that's the uh, um, Melisma? Mel yeah. Mel yeah, Melisma, which is, I guess it's um, each syllable uh, has multiple notes in it. So it's it's all the quote unquote uh, vocal gymnastics that uh, that that she does. Uh, like just running up the scales up and down the register and all that other sort of stuff. I looked up a number of music terms that I don't know, and I'm using them, hoping that I'm actually using them in context. I think you did well. Okay, fantastic. So the one article I read, or no, sorry, it wasn't even an article. It was just the Wikipedia page. And they said the sort of melisma style has existed long before Vision of Love came out, but they call Vision of Love, the Magna Carta of that sort of uh, musical uh, style. Now, I don't know what the Magna Carta is. Do you have any idea? 
I have a vague idea because okay. I looked it up today. Okay. I really should know. I'm like, oh, Magna Carta. I'm like, oh, it's was written as a sort of bill of rights in England. Oh, okay. Where it gave rights to the church and rights to, I don't know if it's the people, but it's certainly like lords and people kind of overlords maybe. But I yeah. think it was sort of set in motion, human sort of rights. Somewhere there's our... Um, Several of our friends who have history PhDs are possibly pulling out their hair yeah. and yelling at their uh, device. Yeah, exactly. I apologize. So how kind does of. how does the star chamber work into that? Uh, well, they still control everything. Oh, okay, gotcha. Okay, so the song opens with a sound, which is the sound of a new era dawning. Yeah, it, it's it's almost like a gong, but it's like a synthesizer gong. And or something. It well brought you back memories of what song? Well, it sounds a lot like the opening of It's All Coming Back to Me Now by uh, Celine Dion. And I was thinking George Michael's Faith. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that also felt like the dawning of an era. Yeah. And then it also reminded me of Prince's, is it 1999 where they begin with Dearly Beloved? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the sort of uh, organ church sound, right? Either way, this is like the coming of something brand new. And yeah. the song states this. Yeah, it's just an announcement. And uh, what I like, too, is it starts off and Mariah has, like, well, she has that five octave uh, range, but um, it starts off, like, she she kind of has the the woes at, at the beginning, but they're in, like, this low register. Yeah. So, you don't know exactly what's coming. It's oh, like, yeah. okay, I remember first time hearing this, kind of. I mean, yeah. it's 1990, so we're 13, maybe. Mm-hmm. And... When you hear this, it's like, oh, okay, this is like a song you'd hear on the radio. This isn't, it's kind of soulful and and just a, a, a slow jam. Yeah, it has that classic sort of um, early 90s R&B feel to it and, and like pace and and uh, uh, like the the drum and, and, and the keys and the synth and everything. It, it just, um, it just moves in that sort of typical fashion. Yeah. But the, the vocals are anything but typical. So the first verse goes, treated me kind, sweet destiny, carried me through desperation to the one that was waiting for me. It took so long, still I believed, somehow the one that I needed would find me eventually. Treated me kind, sweet destiny, carried me through desperation. That was waiting for me. It took so long. Still, I believed somehow the one that I needed would find me eventually. Now, this song has been linked to, or some people consider it a love song. Some people consider it a, a prayer to a higher power, but. Mariah talks about it. It's a song of perseverance. Yeah, for sure. 
And so she talks about Sweet Destiny at the beginning there. Mm-hmm. Now, Sweet Destiny, the one that's treating her kind? I think so. Yeah. Treating me kind, Sweet Destiny. Yeah. And Sweet Destiny is also carrying her through desperation. Yeah. So the sort of notion that she's always had in her life. So her, I think her autobiography has a scene near the opening where there's a big fight at her house and her brother and her father are fighting. Oh, okay. And her grandmother is there holding her. I think Mariah might be three years old or something at the time for all I know. And the cops have come in because the fight was so big and there's all this fear. And her Nana is saying to her, your dreams are going to come true or don't you worry or something like that. Yeah. And so later on, cops end up at Mariah's house when she's maybe six years old. Mm -hmm. Now her brother and mother are fighting and her brother has knocked out her mother. Oh. Oh, it's bad. And the cops have come. His brother has left. The cops have come and, you know, they're talking to the mom and the brother's probably going to end up in a facility. Mm -hmm. And she heard a cop say about her. They looked over and said, this kid will be lucky to ever make it out of here. Oh. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. So, these are sort of the backstories to this. So, that vision of love is Mariah's vision. Yeah. This song is so much about her perseverance, her vision. So, Destiny has a role, but in the Mariah verse, you don't just let Destiny work. You have to make your luck. Yeah. Which is what she's done in her life, at least according to the autobiography. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so there you go. There's my deep analysis on of, that one. The first uh, first verse there. Yeah. And, and then the chorus, is, it, it's pretty simple. I, was like, I had a vision of love, and it was all that you've given to me. So destiny or whatever it is, or, or fate, whatever she's speaking of, that's her vision of love has, has been given to her by, well, sweet destiny, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly... A mix, right? Where it's also about a lover, I think, at the same time. Yeah. Because they're playing on it. So, there's, it's kind of threaded in there where it's like, wait a sec, is this about God? Is this about her? Is this about a lover? And I think it's all three. Yeah. And this could include her co-writer also. Oh, okay. Ben. Ben, yes. You know, <laughs> for what he added to it. I know she wrote a lot of this, so I'm mm-hmm. not taking away from, from Mariah, but they've done a good job of making it difficult to just parse out yeah kind of a a bit ambiguous and it's okay to be about all three yeah we figure she's what 16 or 17 when she originally wrote the song you have to have so much self-confidence oh my goodness yeah to just push along yeah i don't feel like neither you nor i had i don't have that kind of confidence at 45 (laughs) (laughs) and the chorus is so um short for what we expect choruses to be then yeah and so we go into this next verse and the next verse is this is where the first time listener is given a big surprise because now that voice is starting to come through yeah pray through the nights felt so alone suffered from alienation carried the weight on my own had to be strong, so I believed. And now I know I've succeeded in finding the place I conceived. And this song is now, it's moving. It's a tidal wave coming at you. Yeah.
The um, things I notice in that verse are words like alone, on my own. Well, alienation. Alienation. So I believed when she said I had to be strong. So I did this. Yeah. And so this is so much about her being alone and then pushing herself. Well, fighting through and and, uh, and becoming that, uh, well, obviously she's, you write this down and you sing this song the way that she does, uh, the, the confident woman that she is it's not just god giving her something Mm -hmm. it's i've conceived of a place yeah and i know i've succeeded when i found it yeah that to me is like such a bold statement and song yeah i don't really know too many songs that state that sort of self-assuredness yeah so um and then it comes to the chorus that's a little longer this time. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's doubled up basically, right? Yeah. So it's double the length. I had a vision of love and it was all that you've given to me. I had a vision of love and it was all that you've given me. And then uh, the bridge. Yeah. It's like, I've realized the dream and I visualized the love that came to be feels so alive and everything's just picking up steam at this point feels so alive i'm so thankful that i've received the answer that heaven has sent down to me yeah that's part might be my favorite there's, yeah there's a couple favorites but that's a contender for yeah. my favorite is that yeah. that the answer that heaven has sent down to me yeah <laughs> oh my goodness and it's still the same thing i visualized a dream mm-hmm. just like when she conceived a place and then it's like she had it visualized but then prayed it and then heaven responds yeah almost like the God's looking down upon her and say, you are worthy, Mariah. Yeah. And then give it to her. I mean, with a whistle register, I'm sure not many, you know, creatures can hear it, but I'm sure heaven can. Yeah. Then into the uh, into the third verse, which is again everything's building, 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 and then this it hits you hard. Uh, you treated me kind, sweet destiny, and I'll be eternally grateful. Holding you so close to me, prayed through the nights so faithfully, knowing the one that I needed would find me eventually. And this is that confidence and that perseverance that uh, that the song's all about. And what I love about that is she sings back up there, and the backup is telling you what she's about to sing yeah. in the main sort of vocal. Yeah. I'm not used to songs where they give you the backup. Usually the backup gives you the backup, where yeah. it's like, I'm going to say something, and then they're going to back me up. Yeah. Instead, it, it's like forward up. It's kind of a, a reverse call and answer. Yeah. 
But uh, and the backing vocals are her vocals from her demo tape that they that they worked into the mix. It's crazy, and that demo yeah. tape was done on this cheap mic. Yeah, it was it was a bass drum mic. Yeah. you said right PZM. They just called like a drum mic. Yeah, and that's where the whistle register comes in too. Yeah, it's all on there, which is just as you would say, flippantly bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um. One of the lines I liked in that part is this this is this a chorus? No, this is a verse. Oh, this is a verse, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, then this third verse. It's knowing the one that I needed would find me. I like that because there's a moment in the song where she doesn't find it. She conceives it, yeah. but someone comes to her and finds her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really just like that sort of like little just this little turn there. Where it is about her, but someone has actually been looking for her. Yeah. And that's that's a pretty cool image. Yeah. And then we, we finish off with the, the chorus again. But what's awesome in the chorus is that's when Mariah hits that whistle register. Yeah. And, and it's in the backing vocal. And it's, it's foreshadowing of things to come. Because it's, it's not the focal point of the song. It's, it's a backing track. Yeah. And it's there and you're just like, holy cow, what am I just hearing right now? It's like an expert ninja winning the fight in like a boxing match and then suddenly showing off all her nunchuck skills. <laughs> That's, made, made that up on the spot. That, I, I could hardly tell. <laughs> yeah. But it was just like, she was full Mariah, but just kind of. Yeah. It's, it's just so intimidating. What, what I love about the song is it's reserved in a way. The whole thing is re- like, it's so intensely powerful, but it's still so reserved. This is the Mariah that I love to hear. And I feel we've not got to hear a lot of it as time went on. Yeah. But this moment is just incredible. Yeah. And I mean, she uses that whistle register to full extent. When Someday comes out. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) One of the greatest moments in pop history to me. But this song, though, for sure, I hadn't really thought a lot about it Mm -hmm. because there's so many good songs on this album. Yeah. But what an intro. Now, do you remember the first time you heard this song? Okay. So it's coming out. I'm 13. It came out in May. Yeah. uh, But it didn't hit number one until um, August. August. I'm thinking I would have heard it probably then in June, May or June, Kiss 98.5, which yeah. is a Buffalo station. I was in grade seven and uh, desperate to get out of the school I was at because it was not going well. So in some ways, I also had a vision of love. It's going to grade eight at another school. Ah. And you know what? It was not a good experience at grade <laughs> eight school. But then... Lateral move. Yeah, lateral move. But... High school got better. Yeah. I got to meet Frank. That took till grade 11. So, yeah. same sort of distance between Mariah's success and her album would be my distance in hearing the song and finally meeting you. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this is our origin story, this song. 
you know, you treated me kind. Sweet destiny. Yes. <laughs> so, well, if there was a Hallmark movie, I guess that's it. Really, this would just be our life story. Yeah. I'm sorry, Mariah. There's a movie they could make for you called Vision of Love that would be more obvious, but I think we could make it about us. I think so, too. I remember hearing this song, and I, I specifically remember because I was, you know, I'm 13 years old, and I'm not, you know, I'm a miserable teenager or just becoming a miserable teenager who listens to pop music when everyone else listens to like, you know, alternative or, or whatever, it, whatever it was that was popular at the time. Anyways, um, I was camping with my family and I sat and I just like, mom, dad, I need the keys to the van because I would sit in the van and listen to the radio just by myself because like, I don't want to be around my parents because going through, you know, certain changes in my life and all that other sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, same thing. Kiss 98.5, listening to the uh, the radio and the song comes on and I fell in love right away, right away. And it took me a while until I had enough money because I think I bought the album in 1991. Okay. So it took me a while be- until I I had to m- like muster up nerve to, to buy certain things like, you know, Mariah Carey CDs and whatnot. <laughs> but yeah, that was... It was a big, uh, big moment in my life. I remember that. I mean, I had a vision of love too. And it, was it was Mariah, Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that this is a common theme in her early work. So those first three albums, you have Vision of Love, which we've talked through, conceiving of things, making it happen. Mm-hmm. Leads to emotions. Second single, I think, make it happen. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, same type of idea. She she gives a little more credit to the big man up above. Yeah. But there's the same sort of thing. You got to make it happen. And then Music Box, her third album, Hero. <laughs> you love Hero. I just thought it was a low point for me as a Mariah fan. I kind of walked away for years. Yeah. I just couldn't take that. It was very similar to me to um, Whitney Houston's the greatest love of all. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. same idea. The hero is inside of you. And the greatest love of all is like that love is inside of you. Same yeah. sort of idea. But yeah. for Mariah, it really is this sort of the hero is herself. Yeah. Which I guess, you know, when you look at everything that was around her, it really was Mariah fighting every step of the way to make her dreams happen. Even though people were mean to her. She yeah. had like... Hot tea thrown on her, third oh, degree really? burns. Oh, jeez. She was told off, like minimized by both sets of parents. Even when she wins the Grammy for best female pop performance, I yeah. think it was, her dad said, oh, okay, so you should really get into producing so you could be big like Quincy Jones, sort of like uh, you're not good enough yet. Yeah. So even when she's making it. Oh, just geez. Yeah. That's okay. She's worth $520 million right now. Oh, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Well, she, she sold over 200 million albums. Like, again, bonkers. I think she owns all the rights to them. Pretty sure. I believe so. I mean, so. I think at yeah. $520 million, you own all your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and also the fact that she had a hand in writing every single song on this album, on her first album. Oh, yeah. So, that is publishing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And 1990s with CDs being sold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the, this album sold, uh, I think, 17 million copies, something wow. like that. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So, the video, do you have any thoughts on the video? 
considering how great this song is, I think the the video is a little bit it's it's missing something. It could have been more, but the focus is obviously Mariah. So it's just her, just her singing because it's just her singing on this song too. All her backing vocals are her, right? So I don't know. I I, I found it a little bit lackluster. The one the one like sort of callback shot that I do enjoy after reading what it meant was uh, when she's sitting on that swing and she has a cat and it's a direct callback to her, um, her childhood. According to the article that I read, the house that her mom's boyfriend at the time was the gardener for, they had like a, they, they have a house that, uh, that Mariah Carey's uh, mother's boyfriend lived at. So they, they all lived in, in the house on the property and she had a cat named Morris and would sit on this like swing outside just holding Morris. But it was like around this like compost garbage pile. So she said like just this wafting of like like garbage and rotting food and all this other sort of stuff. And it was one of those like, I am getting through this. I'm getting past this. But she loved that cat and loved just sitting on that swing. So when they put that in the video, that was a direct callback to something that happened in her life. Uh, minus the garbage. I didn't see garbage in the video. Yeah. For the Grammys, did you know who won for best song of the year that year? Wasn't it? It was a Hold On by uh, Wilson Phillips, wasn't it? They also lost. Oh, but they were they? in the same category. That's right. Okay. They lost to Bette Midler's From a Distance. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bette Midler, two years in a row. She won Wind Beneath My Wings the year before. Oh. Yeah, double. Bit of a powerhouse in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. I, th- I think they missed out on on two great songs there. Yeah, yeah. Record of the year was not from a distance or hold on or this song, Vision of Love. Do you know what song it was? No. It was Another Day in Paradise by Phil Collins. <laughs> not my all favorite. Comes, all comes full circle. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Phil did beat her out for the Grammy. I guess we could let her do against all odds and make Phil a ton of money. I yeah. guess we could let that happen. Okay, category time. Yeah. Two-parter. Okay. You can choose how you want to answer this. How would Michael Bolton handle the whistle register when he covers this song? And how would the rest of the earth handle Michael Bolton trying to do the whistle register when he sings this song? I thought about this. And I think Michael Bolton doesn't destroy the world on this one. Michael Bolton destroys Michael Bolton on this one. Yeah. I think he goes for it, and it's uh, his hubris is his own undoing. Well, this is it. This song is uncoverable. Yeah. No one should ever sing this at karaoke. No one should try to sing this on Pop Idol or anything like that. You leave it alone, Mm -hmm. and you just revere it. You put it up behind glass and say, this is where no one ought to go. The problem is, when you put it behind glass, it just breaks the glass because of the, the the high notes that she hits. That's right. We tried. Just keeps coming out yeah. there. Okay. Next question for you. Okay. Michael Bolton and Mariah Carey get together and have a child. What type of singing voice would this child have? Oh, a beautiful one. Could this be the link between earth and heaven? Like a portal. This child. That's a lot of pressure to put on it. Maybe the kid just wants to do science. Oh, wow. That would probably be what would happen. Yeah. It would just be the opposite. Yeah. It'd be Danny DeVito instead of Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
They would have twins. Yeah. Wedding dance. When would this be played at a wedding? Oh, um, I think it happens later on. The DJ's kind of slowing things down. And this is where you make your move. Oh, yeah. I think this is a song that manifests destiny. Yeah. And I also looked up manifest destiny, <laughs> and I was, should not have used that term. And this has turned <laughs> out, it was not what I thought it was. Like, ooh, I think I'm, this is the Magna Carta. Yeah. This is what it is. Yeah. This is people's rights on the dance floor. <laughs> That's right. The church is taking it away. It's footloose. <laughs> yeah. The people are allowed to dance. Yeah. Um, I think this could be a wedding dance for the... Bride and groom, if understood a certain way, not in the way I read the song, because it's like one person's manifesting. Yeah. I got to stop. Their destiny. Yeah, I know. One person is visualizing their... um, Sweet destiny. (laughs) Fate. Visualizing their fate. Yes. That sounds more um, dangerous. Yeah. But I like the idea that this is the moment on the dance floor where two people are going to get together. I read on YouTube that a man had proposed to another woman to this song, and she posted that they were still married. Oh. And he proposed in 1992 to this song. So, hey, YouTuber, JB3.458, way to go. You just made that up, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you just started saying you know, numbers. You're not allowed to put a dot, I don't think. Did you mixtape it? I did. You did as well. I believe it is your turn to go first. All right. So this is early 90s kind of R&B uh, feel songs. So okay. I, I, I'm not going with it with a, a theme on, on the lyric or, or the title or anything. Okay. But early 90s R&B love songs. One of Frank's texture mixes. Oh, yes. It's a texture mix. Please Send Me Someone to Love by Sade. Oh, good one. Um, Love Will Lead You Back by Taylor Dane. Yeah. Love Me by Tracy Spencer. I didn't know this song, but when I was researching this mixtape, I, I listened and it's like, this is a really good song. Okay. One Last Cry, Brian McKnight. Uh, Unbreak My Heart, Tony Braxton. Of course. And I'm going to close it with I Don't Have the Heart by James Ingram. Oh, there you go. Nice. That's a good mix. All right. So for mine, I went with Divas and their debut songs. Oh. Yeah. So, but I I picked only certain ones and I wanted the songs to have a slower vibe. Yeah. Although one of them, I guess, is a quicker vibe. But I wanted to pick like Powerhouses and then I have a fourth that's not the biggest powerhouse, but to me, it still matters. And it works with your mix. Okay. So the first one is You Give Good Love by Whitney Houston, which was her first okay. single. The next one, Where Does My Heart Beat Now, Celine Dion. And then Chasing Pavements by Adele, because I feel she's the only other great voice that people will buy tickets just to see. Yep. And then I threw in Your Love is King by Sade, because that was her first single. Oh, okay. And you had Sade. Yeah, nice. And Sade is awesome. Oh, Sade is fantastic. So that is our mixtape. I that's feel pretty our, good about that no, one. No, that was a good one. Oh, that you turned out to So yeah, that was Mariah Carey, and and we could talk 
hours and hours about her, her life, her her many accomplishments, and uh, and everything that she's done. Uh, I'm I'm certain that we're going to do another song by her in, in the future. Probably Hero if I get my choice. Did you hear that breath I just made there? <laughs> Fair enough. You know what? We'll let the song pick us. And considering this was the first CD that I ever bought and the fact that I've been a Mariah Carey fan for over 30 years, I know that it it, it took so long. Uh, still, I believed that the one, the song that I needed would find me eventually. Thank you for listening to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. Bill, I'm opening this up to you. Is there anything you want to apologize for? I want to apologize to Mariah Carey and her little lambs. Oh, that sounded snarky. <laughs> it started off like, I already sound like a villain. Yeah. I, are they and called those? Little lambs. <laughs> I do, though, want to apologize to Mariah Carey. It's a song about perseverance and stick to and all that that represembles. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you know, that started so strong, and then you had to put in your fake words. <laughs> that the one, the song that I needed, would find me eventually. Wh- which one was it, the song that you needed? <laughs> Try to Suspicion of Love. Oh, or you had this before. Okay, gotcha. Okay, good. <laughs> How old were you when you are waiting for that song? I, I was talking about it took us so long the song found us on the podcast. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I should. <laughs> Do I need to explain? <laughs> listen, listen. Listen. I kind of zoned out there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures.